welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Well, Matthew 11, Matthew 11 is how we ended last week, and we started not a series, but a theme, not a series, teaching series, but a theme around the kingdom. So we're talking about the kingdom. I really feel in this next season, as a community, both online and in-house, we're going to be diving deep. Some Sundays will feel like teaching. Some Sundays will feel like preaching. Some Sundays will feel like encouragement. Whatever whatever comes out, whatever comes out, I believe is going to be what the Holy Spirit has ordered. And I just believe that in this season, it's so important that we go deep again in some of the basics of our faith. The basics of our faith. The kingdom of God. Understanding the kingdom of God. I know for some of you, it might be a little bit loud. They just blew blew out those walls recently and put these little like uh, uh, garage door like gates on there. So it's a little bit louder than it was three weeks ago, but it's all good. Eventually, I'm sure all the kids will uh, calm down a little bit. But if not, that's okay. Matthew 11 is how we ended last week. We talked about understanding the kingdom. Now, this is kind of like part two, but it's not. So, like I said, it's not a teaching series, but every week is going to be an addition. Every week is going to, we're going to go a little bit deeper. But I do want to share, I do want to say this. I would encourage you, if you didn't listen to last week's message, to listen to it. To go online, watch it on our YouTube channel. Please, because if we, if we don't get the starting point, we will be kind of disconnected from where we're headed in this next season. So we ended with Matthew 11. Matthew 11 really is about John the Baptist, who actually is in prison. And remember, John the Baptist was the relative of Jesus. He baptized Jesus. He had the understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. He made the pronouncement, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist said he was not fit to even wear the sandals of Jesus. He baptizes Jesus. But then Jesus starts to do things that he did not expect. How many things happen in our life where Jesus does things around our life, in our life, that we don't expect? And we wonder, is this really you? God shows up in a way you didn't expect, in a way you didn't even want, and you wonder if this is really you. God gives you the kind of job you never really wanted, and you're being challenged on all sides, pressure on all sides. It's really hard for you, and you wonder, is this really you? But you prayed to get a job for six months. You got a job, but not the job that you wanted. How many have had that experience before? You got the answer, but not the answer that you wanted. In other words, Jesus showed up in a way you did not expect, but you prayed And you expected for God to answer your prayer, but when he answered your prayer, you didn't like how he answered it. Well, this is kind of John the Baptist's experience. He had a message, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent and be baptized. That was his message. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. Here, John the Baptist, not that much older than Jesus, 
all of a sudden Jesus makes his way into his, you know, ministry manhood, so to speak, starts doing things that John did not expect. John did maybe didn't like, I don't know. We kind of know a little bit about what John had a perspective on. But here John the Baptist is now in prison and he's doubting whether or not Jesus is the real deal. After all of this, he's doubting. He's doubting after all of this. And he sends two of his disciples to, or, or, to Jesus from jail to Jesus to ask him, are you really the one to come? And it says here in verse 2 of chapter 11 of Matthew, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, because these were the issues that he was having issues with. He sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things, which is very important, that you hear and you see. Why? Because the kingdom, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, is not a matter of talk, but of power. So he says, Go tell John the things which you hear and you see. Do you know that according to the book of James, if you come to church and you hear the word only, you are living in deception? It's the practice of the word that makes what you hear real in your life and transformative. The Bible in and of itself is not the foundation to your Christian faith. It's the Bible applied. Because if it was the foundation, and even the scripture was the foundation, Jesus wouldn't have rebuked the religious saying, in the scriptures you think you find life, but you fail to come to me to have life. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far away. This book has to get in here, and then has to be lived out in life for it to develop, to develop root systems. If you have no root systems, you are called a flaky Christian. You are a flaky believer. A flaky believer is someone that constantly gets uprooted every time something hard happens in their life. They go from church to church to church, place to place to place, new doctrine to new doctrine, new belief to new belief. There's no grounding because they have no root systems. And so every time wind comes, it takes up their tree and moves them to a different location. That's not you if you're applying this every day in your life. So he said, go tell John the things which you hear and you see. Because I want what you believe here and you believe here to be something that you see here. There has to be evidence to your faith. Go tell John the things which you hear and see. He says this in verse 5. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So we have this physical hearing, okay? We come Sunday and we hear the word, right? We listen to a podcast, we hear the word. We listen to a message online, we hear the word. We've been oversaturated in the last two years of online content. We hear, we hear, we hear, we hear. But we do not, we are not transformed solely by what we hear. We are transformed by letting what we hear actually take root in our life. You with me? So he's addressing this physical hearing and seeing, but really what he's addressing on the, uh, underneath is the internal hearing and seeing. Because listen, seeing in the end is not believing. Seeing is not believing. You've said it. We've all said it. It's not, if I just saw this, I would believe it. That's not necessarily true. Because the religious people that attacked Jesus the most saw the miracles of Jesus 
in front of their very eyes and they still didn't believe. They were the ones that were waiting. They knew all the prophecies for centuries of the Messiah that would one day come. You think of all of the people, they'd be like, this is the one. I mean, we see the evidence. We see the prophecies fulfilled. And yet they did not hear and they did not see, even though they heard and even though they saw. So they saw and they heard, but they didn't see and they didn't hear. So kind of a lot of us, right, sometimes, right? We, we, we hear things and we see things, but it doesn't mean that we actually hear things and we see them. I'm going to tell you what I mean in a second. Seeing is not believing as evidence in the time of Jesus. Believing, write this down, is seeing. Believing is seeing. Real Bible-believing faith is experiencing everything you say you believe. Real Bible-believing faith is experiencing everything you say you believe. Let it be a goal of yours that by the time you die, you could say, man, I, I believed in the promises of God till the day I died. I believed. I believed. I believed no matter what. I believed. I believed no matter what. Because that sight and that experience you're going to have sometimes is going to happen after you die. But you died believing. You died believing. The moment you stop believing, you've lost the battle. The moment you've stopped believing, you've lost the battle. Now let me bring it to Matthew 13, give you an example of what I've just addressed. It says here, and the disciples came to say, and said to him, speaking of Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Talking about the crowds he was teaching. Why do you speak to them in parables? A parable is something like this, and I'm going to teach a little bit for a second. A parable, pretend, pretend I'm speaking to you in a parable. What I'm doing to you is I'm taking this treasure map and I'm throwing it at you. I'm crumpling up a treasure map, okay, in a ball of paper, and I'm throwing it at you. And it lands beside you. The word parable actually means casting alongside, on the wayside. So it falls down here. The only way you're going to understand and discover what's on that treasure map is if you pick it up on your own initiative, you uncrumple it, and you look at what's on the treasure map. And that's exactly what happened with the disciples. When the disciples would hear a parable, a parable, they would go to Jesus in private and then seek understanding. It would be like them taking this crumpled up piece of paper. Okay, God, I, I got this from you. I, I heard it. I don't understand it. I'm going to open it up. And the way that they would understand what he was talking about was by seeking him in private. And that's why he says what he says right here in Matthew chapter 13. To everybody else on the outside that's not willing to seek me out, I speak to them in parables. So in hearing they will hear but not understand. Listen to what it says. So they came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. You've been given access because you have an open door and you kept that door open with me. You've been given access because you have an open door and you've kept that door open. You're seeking me. You're seeking understanding. Then it says this in verse 12, for whoever has to him more will be given. Has what? An understanding of the value of what it is they're talking about right here that has that open door that whenever you don't understand something that feels mysterious to you, you open the door and you seek me out in private. 
you'll get the answer. So to whoever has more will be given. In other words, if you steward the relationship, you're going to have more experience from the access that the relationship gives you. Is anybody in the room this morning? It says this, more will be given and he will have what? What's the word? An abundance. He will have an abundance. Is the scripture on the screen? I don't see it. He will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This is the picture, okay? So you come on Sunday. I'm, I'm probably not going to get through half of what I'm going to talk about today. But you come on Sunday, and a parable is thrown at you, or a seed is thrown at you. You don't practice the word. You don't go home, do anything with it. You just hear it. It was a good, encouraging message. You like information. You're an information junkie. You go home, you, you hear it, but you, there's, there's no life opportunity to practice the thing that you just heard. What happens is that understanding that, let's call it an impartation, like Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. The impartation, you get the impartation, you get the spiritual deposit, but because you don't water the seed, it doesn't grow root systems in the soil of your heart, the birds of the air come and snatch the seed. You lose the seed. So to whoever does not have, it will be taken away. This is the premise. We are called stewards of the kingdom, ambassadors, administrators of the kingdom. We addressed this last week. If we don't steward what we've been given, we will lose what we've been given. It's not a fear thing. It's just a practical thing where, where God doesn't, doesn't want to kill you with revelation. He wants that revelation to turn into transformation one step at a time. When you first give your life to Jesus and you have this epiphany that he is the real deal, he is not expecting you to be the type of believer that you will be 20 years from now on the first day. It would kill you. The expectation, the revelation of what life should be like, it would kill you. So he, in his, by his spirit, guides you one step at a time. Galatians steps says keep in step with the spirit. We're walking step by step. Sounds like a new kids in the block song. So he says here, but whoever does not have even what he has will take it away from him. Verse 13, therefore, listen to this. Therefore, because of this, under, this reality, I speak to them in parables. These crumpled up little treasure maps. These falling by the wayside. People aren't catching it. Because seeing, listen to this. Is it up there? Yeah, seeing, they do not see. So they see, but they don't see. What's he talking about here? They're seeing with their physical eye, but not with their spiritual one. Seeing, they do not see. Then it says this. Hearing, they do not hear. Seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. I don't want to be a believer that has any of that happening in my life. But do you know that every one of us in this room have a little bit of that in our life that we aren't aware of? 
we say stuff like, God doesn't speak to me. Right? God doesn't speak to me the way he speaks to so-and-so or the way he speaks to so-and-so. And I'm not hearing anything. I'm not, God doesn't speak to me. God doesn't speak. And we make these really powerful statements over our lives. But I wonder sometimes if God's actually speaking to you and you're actually hearing, but you're not actually hearing. You're seeing, but you're not actually seeing. I was praying last night for, for, for everybody here and that was going to come this morning, and I, I felt like the Lord said to me, pray that in this season, my people see the patterns. My people see the patterns. Because if you can notice patterns, spiritual patterns in your life, I just, I wonder if you would begin to hear and begin to really see. Because there are spiritual patterns, things that God is doing in your life that he's done over and over and over again. And if we would stop and look to the patterns, maybe we'd be, wow, that, that probably is God, actually. And I've been seeing it the whole time, but I'd never noticed it before. Every time I'm about to run out financially or, or want to give up, this thing happens to me. I get this encouragement, something happens, somebody calls me and I want to just keep going again. I wanted to quit, but now I want to keep going. Every time I get to the end of my marriage, you know, I feel like it's not going to work and then something happens and I just want to keep going. It's like, and I see the patterns, it's like God is protecting me. God is protecting you. And if we would notice the spiritual patterns sometimes that are happening around our life, we would have an eye-opening moment. And we would no longer just see here, we would actually see here. We mentioned last week that the starting point for this was understanding what it means to be born again. Remember John 3, verse 3. And I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture today, but I think we're in a season where we really want to dive deep in understanding some of the basics again that we've forgotten as believers, people that love Jesus and have relationship with him. Jesus is talking to this Pharisee a very well-known Pharisee in private at night so that no one else would know. And he's talking to Jesus. He's like, what's the deal? He's like, you, you, you're something different about you. Like, you must come from God because of the what? The evidence of the miracles. Because of what I see. Because the kingdom is not a matter of just hearing. It's also seeing. So he sees the miracles and he's inquiring of Jesus. Jesus doesn't even respond to the statement that Nicodemus makes. And he says this, unless you are born again, unless one is born again, John 3 verse 3, you will not, they will not see, everyone say it, see the kingdom of God. The born again experience is not a ticket into heaven. It's an invitation to heaven on earth now. It's not a, okay, now I got my ticket. I can, when, it, when it's all over, I'm good. Like, I got the assurance. Like, yeah, great, you have that. But it's a ticket. It's literally in advance. It's like, it's like a publisher paying you in advance ahead of time. He's giving you the advance to live heaven on earth now, which was the premise of Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Pray that my kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. The mood in the tense is now. Not just when you die and you get swept up by the sweet by and by, which is actually not good theology. It's heaven on earth right now. Right now, present, right now in this moment, okay? Close your eyes for a second. What is heaven like right now? 
If, if Jesus give us, gives us the invitation through the born-again experience to see the kingdom of God, not just once, once when we die, but now through the Matthew 6 instruction, then right now the kingdom of heaven looks like something right now in your life in this moment while you're in this bar. So what is that? Holy Spirit, what is that? Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven right now. Okay, so you're speaking. You're telling me about my future. You're showing me about what's going on in my life right now, how to overcome. You're, you're giving me insight. I am accessing right now through your voice, through relationship with you, because I have access, an all-access pass to heaven right now. I can experience the fruit of heaven right now in my life. This is 101 of the spiritual believer. Heaven on earth now every day in whatever it is that we are doing. And the born again experience to see the kingdom of God, which literally means to experience the kingdom of God, is the entry point, is the invitation. So if you haven't figured it out yet, and I haven't even opened up my message yet, but that's what I'm saying, I'm not gonna get through even a portion of this. And I went into Sunday, I even told John and the team in the back, I said like, I don't feel like it's gonna go like last week. I may not even get through even a, a portion of this. I may not even feel like a structured thing, teaching. But I'm talking about seeing the kingdom today. See, what does it mean to see the kingdom in our life? How do we see the kingdom? And I remember like early on in my journey as, as a traveling itinerant speaker, this was my message all around the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. The recognizing the voice of God was a was connected to that. But the kingdom, what does the kingdom look like? Kingdom look like? What is what does the gospel of the kingdom look like? It looks like healing the sick. It looks like seeing people get delivered of things that are holding them back. It looks like the poor being loved. It looks like the widow. It looks like the orphan being loved. It looks like all these things we see in scripture. What does the kingdom look like? Paul said it like this, Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we do not walk by sight, but by faith. He said it like this, we walk by faith, not by sight. I don't think we can, we can zone in on that enough. How many think I can close my eyes right now and feel when I'm going to fall off the stage if I walk forward? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's what faith feels like, though. Close your eyes for a second. Everyone close your eyes for a second. You want to know the greatest illustration for faith is what you feel right now. Your eyes are closed. You can't see anything. That's what faith feels like. Someone who asks you, what is faith? Close your eyes. Because we walk by faith. You can open them up now. Not by sight. If you let what you see here guide your walk, it will not be a faith walk. And the reason why Paul was so uh, intense on this area, and he was, I can show you tons of scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, talking about the eyes of our heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I just read it. Acts chapter 9, you look at his conversion experience. When he had an encounter with Jesus, he hated Christians, murderer of Christians, persecuting Christians. His name was Saul. He was so bad he had a different name. Had to get a name change. 
So he went from Saul to Paul. Has an encounter riding on his pony one day on in, into Damascus and gets like hit off his horse. A voice speaks to him and guess what happens to him? He goes blind for three days. Why did he have to go blind for three days? Because he had spent all of his life living by here. And because he lived by here, he couldn't see here. And so the very thing he was against was the very thing, or the very thing he was for, he actually was living against. Because he could not see here. And that's why he said in Ephesians chapter 1, I pray. He says this like this in verse 15 or verse 18. I pray the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. Like he's saying, listen, because I lived my life blind. That's why people say, I was once, like amazing grace, I was once blind, but now I see. They're not talking about physical blindness. It's about spiritual blindness. Paul was spiritually blind for his whole life until he became physically blind. He had to become physically blind and walk for three days in the dark so that his spiritual eyes would open up and turn on for the first time. So I say all this to say is that in your darkest seasons that you may feel like you've been through or are in right now, those are the most faith-molding seasons you will ever go through in your life. It's in those seasons that you have the opportunity to either let your eyes turn on or stay turned off. They stay turned off because we get bitter, we get discouraged, it's too hard, we want to give up. They get turned on if we can persevere through them. Because faith is always a walk in the dark. It's never a walk in the park. It's always a walk in the dark. You only see with your eyes closed. Sometimes, write this down, what we see robs us or stops us from what we're supposed to see. Sometimes what we see robs us and stops us from what we're supposed to see. We see chaos, we see war, we see problems, we see um, um, uh, trauma, we see hurt, we see pain, we see rejection. You know what kingdom eyes see? Opportunity, healing, restoration, hope, reconciliation, love, kindness, strength. A better word. A good report. That's what seeing in the kingdom looks like. It's not denial of facts. Faith is never denial of facts. It's just not guided by the facts very different there can be a fact I have a flu right now I have COVID I don't have COVID in Jesus name I'm just joking but uh, I like I I have this like it's, it's a fact like it's a fact but I'm believing and I'm believing I'm going to be healed from that fact isn't the denial of the fact I heard this statement one time with you know, and I, I love all the different movements out there. I, I think you can pull good in from everything. Even if there's a little bit of bad, you can pull good. And, you know, out of every denomination, there's, you know, good in everything. No one has it all together. But I heard this one comment about, uh, you know, uh, extreme, extreme word of faith people. And I love word of faith people. Just, I love the word of faith. It's the word of faith. The Bible 
gives me faith, okay? So I don't want to complicate it. But they're like, so some people will be in hell one day and be like, I'm not in hell. I'm not in hell by faith. I'm not in hell. No, it's like you're in hell, bro. Like, like just embrace it now. You're in hell for all eternity. <laughs> it's a little bit aggressive, but it's true. I think some people will say that they're in faith by denying reality. That's not what faith is. Faith is simply embracing reality, but more than embracing reality, you are embracing God's reality. While you're in that experience, you're letting and inviting God's reality into the reality that you're living. That's what faith looks like. We walk by faith, not by sight. Paul also said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says this, so we fix our eyes, everyone say eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. This is a spiritual practice right here that I want, I believe, I believe Paul is inviting us into. He, in context, he's talking about, although I've been pressed on every side, I've been like all kinds of persecution, I'm going through hell, I'm going through challenges, I, it's a struggle right now, like I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I am going to make it, but I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I am going to make it. He then kind of ends that thought with, so we do not focus on what is seen. Don't focus on all the problems around you that are pushing you on every side. Focus on what is unseen, and in the unseen, we know we have what? heaven in the midst of what feels like hell if the if 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 Jesus his prayer to the disciples was an actual prayer of invitation then we know that we can invite heaven into what feels like hell so that when everything around me that i see is coming at me i can stop drop and just say holy spirit let let heaven come into this moment right now like, let heaven come into this moment right now, as it is in heaven. What's happening in heaven right now? There's joy. There's laughter. You know, all of a sudden you see, like, a living creature in front of you, you know? It's in heaven. You know? There, there, there's all kinds of goodness, righteousness, justice. You know what heaven looks like in culture? Justice. When there's things that aren't going on that are good, that are unjust justice righteousness when it's crazy and chaotic and everyone's questioning everything and wondering who they are and trying to figure out their identity when right when heaven comes it makes things right it restores things to its original order people say i was born this way i was born feeling like this that's why the bible says be born again because you were born wrong, sorry. The right way is to be born again. That's why Jesus says, like, how you're born, you cannot live your life based upon how you were born. That's why you need to be born again. John 3, verse 3. It's a new you. It's the right you that was always destined to be you since the foundation of the world. But because Adam and Eve ate the blackberry in the garden, everything got screwed up. Everything was screwed up. So now the second Adam, Jesus himself, has to come to restore what the first Adam screwed up. And that's why we need to be born again. Reborn from above. In the image of God. 
That's the image of God. So fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I just want to stay there for a second, and we're going to close soon, actually. I want to stay here because... Close your eyes again. I, I feel like just to, to kind of activate this for you in the room right now. I want to make this practical. Like, close your eyes just for a second. If what is unseen is eternal, how do we focus on what is unseen? Well, I've kind of shared a little bit. I mean, heaven asking God, heaven, let heaven come in this, this moment. Help me to see what heaven looks like in this moment. Everything I see around me is, is painful. It's hard. It's hurting me. It's, it's pulling me down. It's weighing me down. Knowing his word and, and being planted in his word is one way we see because we know we have a promise of a better future. One of the ways that we see is by remembering what he spoke to us. When you're in it, when your eyes are closed, it's dark, you don't know where to go, it's, you're kind of walking blind, you feel like you're walking blind, you're taking a big leap of faith, you don't know how it's going to land, you might, you feel like you're going to sink, you feel like you're going to drown, you feel like you're going to drop off a spiritual cliff, you don't know what this next step is going to do in and through your life, and when you feel that way, remember, did God bring you to this place? Did God lead you to this, what feels like maybe dark? Sometimes we lead ourselves. Sometimes, yes, we, we make dumb decisions and it's not like God led us and it's like God made me do it. No, I'm talking about sometimes God leads us into moments that feel dark. But to him, it's full of light because it's only an opportunity for him to manifest his light through the man and woman of faith you're called to be. And he's waiting on you to turn on the switch. And all the switches is called, it's called willingness. It's called surrender. If you're willing to surrender while you're in the dark and it feels hard, I believe he will give you the light you need to get through the dark season. All he's asking is for you to be willing and surrender. It's turning on the internal switch and saying, I'm ready, okay, I'm ready to walk through this. It's hard, but I really believe you got me this job. I believe you put me in this position. I believe you gave me this relationship. I believe you put me on the street. I believe you put me in this area, in this city, in this region, and it's hard right now. And so because you gave me the word, while it's dark and my eyes feel like they're closed and I'm not walking by sight and I'm walking by faith, I can trust you that even though I do sink a little bit, you won't let me drown. Even though I, I do fall off the cliff a little bit, you will pick me up or you'll let me not hit my head and hurt myself forever. You will protect me. You will guide me. It's the promise. And if you can remember that in those moments, you end up doing what Paul says, focusing on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Because you're more absorbed by what is supposed to be than what is. That is kingdom. When you become more absorbed on what is supposed to be, than what actually is right now in your life. And that's not just some positive, you know, motivational, you know, nugget for you. This is actually kingdom. This is actually faith-filled kingdom life. I'm absorbed by the word. I'm absorbing it. It's, I'm absorbed into it and it is into me. I abide with him and he abides with me. It's the kingdom. It's the paradox. It's the mystery of the kingdom. He with me and I with him. We're united as one. And so I'm so absorbed into him and him into me that no matter what I go through, I know I can get through this because Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. Remember that word is an invitation. I can do all things I can do means to get into the fray, to engage the resistance. I can actually purposely engage what feels like resistance right now because I know that God's gonna get me through it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let me submit something to you. Every time you tell somebody an excuse as to why you can't do something, you have submitted and surrendered yourself to the seen, not the unseen. Every time you excuse yourself, Moses did this. Mo had a, Moses had, a, Mo had an argument with God when God called Moses at the age of 80, and Moses said, but I can't because I can't talk properly. He gave an excuse. As much as God is compassionate towards you, he's not compassionate towards your excuses. He's compassionate towards you as an individual, but he's not compassionate towards your excuses because he never calls the people that feel qualified. He never asks you to do what's your, what you're capable of doing. He asks you to do things that make no sense, that are hard, that only he ca is capable of doing through you. So let me just submit this. Every time we make it, I, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself right now, every time I stay, say to someone why I can't do something that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing in this season, Every time I say that, I am submitting to what is seen and not to what is unseen. And that is not faith. That is walking by sight. It makes sense why I can't do this. The facts are there. It makes sense why I can't do this. There's no reason why I should be able to do this because of A, B, C, and D, because of them, because of this, because of my situation. You don't know what I've been through. All these excuses, and they may be valid. Like they may be valid excuses, but they're not valid enough to disqualify you from God's call over your life. They're not valid enough for God to say, okay, I embrace your excuses, therefore I'll just wait for 40 years until you're ready, because you'll never feel ready. God never calls you when you feel ready. He calls you when he sees that you're ready. And usually they never connect. He's like, I've called you, daughter, I've called you, son. And you're like, I can't do it. Everybody in scripture, I can't do it. I'm not ready. I mean, Joseph thought he was ready. Guess what happened? Over 20 more years of like pain and chaos and rejection and betrayal, then he was ready. It actually says in Psalms 113, it says this, it says that the Lord tested Joseph's character, or it says this, it says it like this, it says, God until the time that Joseph, Joseph's dream came to pass, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So you think you're ready? Expect 20 years of, no, no, don't. But if God points you out and says you're ready, submit your excuses to the cross, not to your friends and family. We focus on not what is seen, but what is unseen. This is seeing with the kingdom. I want you to stand up with me. I feel like God wants to do some operation today. 
on your spiritual sight. I really believe this, that some of you are gonna be healed of spiritual blindness today because you've been walking your faith journey with a measure of blindness. And it's sad, it's so sad. And all of us have measures of it in our lives, like in some areas of our life, like we all have it. Some of us have it a little more aggressive in, in other areas and a little more aggressive in other areas, but we all have a little bit of it. And the journey of, of unpacking whose we are and the kingdom within Luke 17, the kingdom is within us. The journey of unpacking this reality is that we're always growing and we're always maturing and God is continually healing our eyes every day, every day. Some of you believe that God can prosper you in your finances, but you don't believe God can prosper you in your body. Some people believe that God can prosper your family and God can prosper your relationships, but God can't prosper you in your job. Some people believe that you know, all you have is just good enough. And all you're ever going to get is just getting by. And you can't believe that God is an abundant God, that his name is El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. And you can't, you can't align with that. You can't see that. You only see survival. Some of, some of us have lived in a, in a survival mentality. It's like we're still living like the, the, the Israelites, the, the, whole, the, the whole Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness were living, like literally living in survival. They, they had lived under oppression for 430 years in Egypt and then they're living in the wilderness in survival. You know why they were living in survival? is because although they left Egypt, Egypt never left them. And as a result of that, they could not get past things that had been passed down from generation to generation. And every time they'd have a moment of healing in their eyes, they'd see God move, they'd forget. They'd revert back. They'd get hard, stiff-necked, callous. Their hearts would get hard. And they would forget that if God did it once before, He can do it again. And some of us in this room, You've seen God move in your life 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You would have said, those were the glory years. Do you know that, and I'm, I'm, I'm convicted of this often. I think one of my biggest struggles in life is regret. If I, if I stay in a space of regret too long, I go down a long rabbit hole. I gotta renew my mind. Regret, everyone has their thing, regret. You know that every time you regret, you stop being present in the now? You actually worship an experience other than the God who's with you now. Because God isn't just the, the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he'll always be the same forever. That's the word. The same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't want to let my past victories or my past pain be something that robs me of today and affects my forever. So heal my eyes, God. Put your hand on your eyes just for a second. Some of us have been so deeply disappointed in an area in their relationship with God that you cannot see what God sees for the thing that you've been believing for anymore. You once could believe that God could do this thing and disappointment after disappointment, discouragement after discouragement, pain after pain, and now you don't even want to talk about it because it's a trigger for you. It's a trigger of what didn't happen. 
I just believe today the Holy Spirit in, in, his, in his gentle, compassionate way wants to just expose those triggers. Bring them to the surface. So that you would be someone that would never stop believing even though you've been disappointed and you've been tempted to stop believing in that specific area. If that's you right now, just receive that right now. Just receive strength for that area of your life right now and healing over your sight right now. That you focus on what is unseen and you stop focusing on what is seen because what is seen is it's not happened. What is seen is the thing didn't pull through. The thing didn't happen that I thought God was going to do. But what is unseen is that his promise never fails. His promise is true. His promise is sure. His promise is refined. And so Holy Spirit, right now, everybody who has their eye, hands on their eyes, I just pray for healing right now over the eyes. That you'd help us to see where we're visionless. Some of you, you've lost vision. Right now, God's restoring vision. Right now. You've lost spiritual vision. God's restoring vision. I see God restoring your vision, your spiritual vision, your vision for your business. Someone started a business 10 years ago. Something 10 years ago. And now it's like 10 years have passed and you feel like it's waning. You're struggling. God is restoring your vision right now in Jesus' name. He's restoring your ability to see into the unseen, into what he's promised you right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd restore our vision. Restore our vision, God. Restore our sight right now. God, I pray that where we have failed in our seeing, that God, we'd see again. We'd see again. That we truly sing this statement over our lives that I was once blind, but now I see. I pray that this season of our life that we'd be able to say, hey, I was blind in this area and that area in the last 15 years, 10 years, two years, six months, but today, now I'm seeing again. Open up our eyes again. Open up our eyes to see what you see. Open up our eyes to see from a perspective of eternity in Jesus' name.